0: Welcome to the City Church Podcast. We hope that you will be abundantly blessed by this message. If you would like to find out more about the city, please log on to our website, www.thecity.sg. Now, starting today, we are kicking off a series of messages, as you probably have heard from Pastor Andre last week, as part of our Biblical Literacy Campaign, BLC. Over the next few Sundays, we will have some wonderful speakers come speak to us, different aspects, so like about the Word of God in revival, discovering Jesus in end-time scriptures, and the transforming power of scripture. Well, mostly in-house, but still amazing speakers. And then we've got one uh, guest speaker, so stay tuned with our Sunday series. Midweek equipping is going to come up when we'll be doing like a four-week online Bible study course like a, like a workshop and it's gonna be covering four Thursdays starting from middle of August so stay tuned with that and uh, we hope to be jumping into li- uh, life group Bible study very soon after that it's gonna be good now once in a while when faced with difficult questions okay you realize you want you need to know the Bible better so I'm gonna give you a little test okay who was the smartest man in the Bible Abraham, because he knew a lot. Where was Solomon's temple located? At the side of his head. Alright, I've got two pick-up lines for you. I want to see if you guys find this as amusing as I did. Is this the transfiguration? Because you're glowing before my eyes. (laughs) right. maybe that was not so funny. Is your name Faith? Because you are the substance of things hoped for. Uh, I thought these were funny. Now, occasionally we share these kind of lame jokes with our life group, so maybe you found that amusing. Now, there was a pastor who decided to visit his church members on a Saturday. So he goes to this church member's house and he knocks on the door multiple times. He's pretty sure someone's in the house, but then no one came and opened the door for him. So eventually he took out his name card and he proceeded to write Uh, sentence there which is from Revelation 3 and he says behold I stand at the door and knock if anyone hears my voice and opens the door I will come in and dine with him so he puts that at the door and then the next day Sunday so after service the pastor found in the offering bag the same card that he wrote on and then underneath what he wrote was this verse I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself these are fun things people do with Bible, but that has absolutely nothing to do with today's message. What are we talking about today? We're going to take a look at how the Bible is one drama from its beginning to the end. So the message is called The Story of God and Us. All right, we're going to look at the story in the Bible. Now in a book authored by someone named Alasdair McIntyre, he told of this account to bring across his point about stories. And so he talked about this man who walks to this bus stop, a particular place uh, uh, where there's a bus stop. And there was a young man who was at that same bus stop. And then uh, this young man proceeded to come and walk towards him and just randomly out of the blue said, Histrionicus, Histrionicus, Histrionicus. Now, that man, if you were that man, you would have no idea how to respond. You don't understand what's going on, right? Now, but then McIntyre, who wrote about this account, then said, then in that instance, without a story, there is no meaning, right? Uh, Now, it would have been very different uh, or you would have seen and interpreted that very differently if you knew uh, the story or like the context within which the young man said that. Perhaps the young man the day before was at a library and met a man who asked him what's the name for wild duck, right? What's another name for wild duck? And uh, so maybe today at the bus stop this young man thought that this man is that guy mistook him for that man and so so histrionicus actually is wild duck. That could give some meaning to what just happened. Or another scenario could be the young man is a spy, part of a spy network and he's there waiting to meet his contact whom he has never met before. And here's this man who comes to this bus stop, so he says the code name, the code word, histrionicus, three times, just to see if this is the contact he's supposed to meet, right? So that gives the story a totally different twist. A bit dramatic, but still gives some sense, gives some meaning to the event, right? And so without knowing a story, uh, it's hard to find meaning. It's hard to know what the meaning is. All of our lives, all of human life is shaped by some story or other. Leslie Newbegin, who is a theologian, an author, and a missionary, uh, wrote this in his book *The Gospel in a Pluralist Society*. And he says the way we understand human life depends on what conception we have of the human story. What is the real story of which my life story is a part? And when he says "story," Newbegin here is not referring to uh, like a linguistically constructed narrative that we fabricate in order to give meaning to our lives, which we do sometimes with poetry we write songs we write or fiction that we read, right? But he's talking about the real story within cosmic history that which gives meaning to all of human life and what is our interpretation of it, what is our conception of that. And then uh, then our reality must find its place within that story. And I'll say this story is found in the pages of our Bible. You're not going to find another book that with a more robust, all-encompassing, Meta-narrative, like a meta-narrative that addresses all the issues and fundamental questions of life. God's story is embedded in here by revelation, by inspiration of God, and is for us. God's revelation for all time. And so some of you would have heard it said that essentially the Bible is one single story, right? One divine drama with lots of episodes from the Old and the New Testament both. And one very basic way to see this is through story, like a four-act story. Creation, fall, redemption, and restoration, and how that pans out. It begins with the creation of all things and ends with the renewal of all things. Right, It is in, in against the backdrop of creation and humanity's fall into sin, we see this unfolding story of redemption towards full restoration, right? So having said that, I want to jump in and uh, let's just grab your Bibles, if you haven't got it already with you, and uh, let's pray as we begin. God, we just give you thanks because um, we are so grateful that you have revealed yourself and your story in your Word. And God, that we have access to your word um, even today. And as your community, as your people, we lean in and want to listen to your heart this morning. uh, We ask that, Holy Spirit, you uh, move uh, within our spirits and just cause, Father God, uh, a response of faith and obedience to what we hear according to your word this morning we pray would you breathe life uh and illuminate your word for us and wherever we are across this island everywhere as we're seated um in our togetherness just listening as a community to your word and what your heart has for us we ask that you would shape us all the more towards your son's likeness in jesus name we pray amen amen Now this morning, I want to say, if there's like, you know, a bunch of stuff that you don't remember is just this, like to see the story of God in scripture, all of it, you know, when you read scripture, to see God's story, uh, it highlights Jesus and it causes a life uh, that is imparted in us that helps us in our devotion to Jesus. And it helps us to know the main character who is Jesus, right? How he would be the one that brings restoration in the end. And to see God's story in scripture also uh, enables us to desire and to seek to be diligent in knowing the word more. So that it shapes our lives while we wait for that restoration and then live a lifestyle that is different right a different kind of people now there are two problems when we talk about knowing God's story is that in our culture there's a very different story right Um, there's a story of like you know the development of species through survival of the strong or the rise of civilization and success in having mastery over nature the other story is the one that is embodied in our scripture The story of creation and fall and God's election of a people, uh, God's purpose for humankind and the coming of the one who will fulfill all of that. These are essentially two very different and incompatible stories. And in some sense, what I'm saying is it's a problem because uh, it's irreconcilable on many levels. Two very different stories and if the church, as the church, if we are to be faithful to the biblical story, there will be a clash of stories for sure from that which we see in the world, in the culture. Problem two, we often don't approach scripture with this kind of cohesive like view of narrative, right? One story. By and large, I think we're not taught to appreciate the Bible in all of its, you know, the breadth and depth of it. Uh, we approach the Bible in bits. Um, You want some devotional bits, we go to like psalms and here and there we want some wisdom bits. Perhaps you go to Ecclesiastes and here and there moral bits, narrative, some songs. We want some theology bits and different things. And and so we approach it uh, in that kind of like piecemeal approach, which is really what most of us were taught and we do that same in our groups. But Francis Schaeffer used to say that Christianity does not start with Jesus saves you from your sins. Think about it. He says it starts with in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And I love that. It gives that feeling like, uh, you know, the marvel I see in my kid's eyes when one of us says, once upon a time in a place far, far away. All of us love, you know, a, a great story. When we view the Bible as one narrative, creation to fall, and then you've got, you know, the redemption, all the plot twists and things, and restoration. It's impossible not to see the continuity of the two testaments, or to see the need to learn that continuity, and have it impact our view of life, our our understanding of meaning and purpose, our our vision for the present, hope for the future, how we ought to live, and, and really what we've been talking about, being a people, of the Spirit. And the Spirit of God longs for us to know his big picture, right? What he sees in Scripture. He is the Spirit who leads us into all truth and illuminates Scripture for us, right? So that we be a people of the Spirit and a people of the Word. So that this unified story of God, which is a collection of books, just so much to study and discover if we would just sit down and just dig in. Right. So let me show you one example, I'm going to try my best to show you this example as clearly as I can, of how Scripture is woven together with the intention of telling God's story. But first I'll point you to Luke 24, where Jesus was having a conversation with his disciples. And he says in 44 to 47, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scripture. And he said to them, Thus it is written, that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that for repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name in all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. Now, Jesus said, like, you know, not just everything written, in the scripture, but everything written about him, right? Jesus was very clear. He had come to fulfill all that was written about him. And, and very often, uh, what led him to act the way he did throughout his life to speak and teach the way he did was because of his consciousness of Israel scripture, the purpose of Israel's scripture right uh, from God and he's conscious of that but also because he was very conscious that the very people listening to him his fellow people the Jews were very well versed with the same scriptures and so for him to communicate to them in those terms then therefore they would understand like you know temple and sacrifice and lamb the terms that uh, were in Israel scripture and life and culture the fabric of their society now when we look at the Hebrew Bible I want to show you this uh, and some of you may already know this uh, but just real quick overview is that there are three divisions, right? There is the Torah, the law, which is also Pentateuch, the first five books or the five books of Moses, we call them Torah, three divisions, so the first one is Torah and the second division is Nevim, okay, uh, which is also called the Prophets and then Ketuvim, Writings, so it's these three divisions, Torah Nevim Ketuvim, right? And so for Torah, first book is Genesis and the last book would be Deuteronomy, right? Deuteronomy, as uh, you should be able to see on the screen there. Uh, Nevim Prophets, it starts with Joshua as the first book. And then the last book is Malachi. And then for Writings, the first book would be Psalm. And then the last book is Chronicles. It's ordered differently, but I want to show you why and how it's ordered differently in the Tanakh, which is the Hebrew Bible, okay. Now, first off, Deuteronomy 18, 15 is where we're going to start off, and then I'll explain uh, these uh, yellow and pink boxes in the diagram. Deuteronomy 18, verse 15 says, The Lord your God will raise for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen so moses is telling the people of israel that god is going to raise a prophet like him now real quick look at deuteronomy 34 10 to 12 this is the last book in the division of torah okay De- uh, deuteronomy 34 10 to 12 uh, and you will find that the, the, the verse there is like a, like a added on kind of like a like a editing uh, device, literary device, in the whole book of Deuteronomy, but where it says that Moses had said in Deuteronomy 18 that the Lord is going to raise a prophet like me, but in Deuteronomy 34 it tells you very explicitly, very clearly, that after Moses and since Moses there has been no prophet like him. Right? So there's no prophet like him. It's kind of like it's a, it's a read on, okay? Because God says He will send, but since Moses there has not been a prophet like him. So they kind of like, hey, you know, uh, read on. And so I'll turn your attention to Malachi now. Malachi, which is the last book in the second division, the Nevi'im, right? Malachi 4, 4 to 6, it starts off with remember the law of Moses, right? So it points us again to remember the law of Moses, which we read about in the Torah. And it says a prophet is coming, that God is going to send a prophet like Elijah, who is going to prepare the way of the Lord, right, in Malachi 4, 4 to 6. So there is a sense in which, hey, you know, we are moving forward. We are waiting for this prophet, right? So you see that link, Deuteronomy 34 and Malachi 4, 4 to 6. And then look at Joshua 1, 7 to 8. Now exiting the Torah and coming into the first book in Nevi'im, Joshua 1 starts off and talks about, you know, Joshua, you know, just as Moses did, you know, lead the people. uh, You have been called to, to, like, you know, be like Moses, essentially. So he's like the new Moses. And then the verse goes on to say to meditate on the law of the Lord day and night, not turning to the left or to the right, and then you will be prosperous, successful in all you do. Joshua 1 seven to eight and then if you exit the pro uh, the the Nevi'in, the prophet's division and go into the first uh, book of writings then you will see in someone interestingly what does it uh, start off with someone would say the same as with joshua 1 meditate on the law you want to be suc- successful and prosperous and he who is like that will be one who meditates on the law day and night, day and night. Now, these were placed very intentionally as what in biblical studies would be called seams, right? Like, you know, you're stitching the divisions together. Uh, so at the end of Torah, you have this, you know, like a, like a post-it, right? And then it stitches onto Nevi'im. Right, telling you then to be like Moses, to meditate on the law. And then it ends the prophets again by saying, remember the law, and so a prophet is coming. And then Ketuvim, so meditate on the law. There's a pattern and a theme there and a connection that stitches the whole Tanakh together. Right. This is one example of how the storyline in scripture is intentionally designed, intelligently designed as prophetic, revelation that is not merely a historical book or even primarily an instructions for life, a moral manual. It's not. It's a prophetic revelation of God fulfilling his covenant promise to Abraham and all that is to come after him. We are awaiting this future hope even now. That's what the seams tell us. So the Hebrew Bible was woven together with these main ideas The seems at the end of the law and at the end of the prophets are pushing you forward to look for the ultimate prophet. Do we need that prophet that God is going to send, who's going to restore the hearts of God's covenant people while we're here in exile and anticipation? And then also, the scenes at the beginning of prophets and the beginning of writings push us backwards and say, while you await, live by the law, meditate on a day and night, the word of God, know your covenant, know the terms of the covenant. While we await for a prophet Messiah that is to come, we read and we reflect on these scriptures and we allow this story of God, this covenant to shape us, shape our hearts, shape our lives. Seeing God's story in all of scripture, it gives life and energy for us to be devoted to Jesus, to be diligent in the study of the Word so that our lifestyle, our culture is distinctly different of the Kingdom of God for which we are awaiting the full fulfillment, right? Walter Brueggemann, one of my favorite uh, authors who talks on uh, the Old Testament a whole lot, he talks, he uses this term prophetic imagination. Now. Don't you just see that even as you hear this, that there is a prophetic imagination in how the Hebrew scriptures are woven together, that there is a prophetic looking forward, and even then, like a reverence for the Word, and this is the revelation of God, and it is not just for the past, it is not just present, but there is a future hope. And as disciples, the question is, what story shapes our lives, right? When the church really believes that a story is true, And if we would shape our life by it, the foundational idolatrous faith that is assumed in our cultural story will be challenged. And so in doing that, we offer a credible alternative. It calls for a conversion of heart, that we be having a new heart and have the laws of God written on it. Right? It is an invitation to see and live in the world in light of a story that is different, alternative. And our place in the story is to embody that end and invite others into this true story together with us. right? And if the story of the Bible is fragmented into bits, then it can be easily absorbed Uh, You know, and assimilated into culture rather than challenging and and, and being a voice, a prophetic voice in culture. A fragmented Bible leads to a church that is unfaithful, syncretistic, idolatrous uh, to this the in its cultural story or in the words of Paul, a church that is conformed to the patterns of this world. Christianity Today reports an interesting article that I read about two weeks ago. It says Bible reading drops during social distancing. Now, I mean, I mean that can be a discussion starter right there. Uh, maybe it's not all of our experience, maybe it is. Uh, but Edmund Chan also speaks this about worldview. Living biblically in a fallen world demands a keen cultivation of a biblically Christian worldview. Now, just now, uh, Pastor Daniel got us to remember the passion statement of our church, right? Now, we exist to help all people, what? Be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and do the works of Jesus, right? Now, in order to cultivate that, we need to have a keen cultivation of a biblical story in scripture. God is the giver of all spiritual life. Amen? Do you agree? Yes, God is the giver of all spiritual life. When we were dead, in our sin, He came and by His rich mercy gave us life, right? Spiritual life. So God is the soul giver, the only source of spiritual life. That statement is true. Second, believers. Now, I know, we know Holy Spirit is in us. We believe and we follow Jesus. And um, But all of us are prone to apathy, lethargy and lukewarmness. True? Agree? Yes? Now you put the two statements together then I'll say that all of us as followers of Jesus we have the need to desire and hope to be revived and awakened again and again and I pray that this morning even as we talk about you know biblical literacy what we're talking about is not knowledge and information right we are talking about having our hearts just captured by you know what God has for us and what he has already given to us and just captivated and just living the life the, f- in the fullness that he has intended psalm 85 6 says will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you psalm 80 that we shall not turn back from you give us life and we will call upon your name restore us psalm 119 my soul clings to the dust give me life according to your word Psalm nineteen seven: the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul, the testimony of the Lord is sure. In the history of the church, it is the sovereign work of God that lifts people out of worldliness and spiritual indifference into holiness and joyful worship, bold witness, conviction of sins, conversion of hearts, commitment to love neighbor, revival. No matter, you know, personal spiritual awakening or a whole region turning to Jesus, right? It's basically God doing this, imparting life through the work of the Spirit among a group or in an area. The same thing He is always doing in individuals' lives, in your life today, in my life today, everywhere, everywhere at any time. And also in specific moments in the history of the world. God is continually reviving. Hebrews 4 12 reminds us that the Word of God is living and active. 2 Timothy 3 16 17 tell us all scripture is God breathed. Now, remind you, Luke 24 44 47, when Jesus was talking to the disciples and he said, Everything written about me in the law and in the Psalms and in the prophets, okay, they must be fulfilled. And then he goes on to open their minds to understand the scriptures. How can the Spirit of God illuminate the Word of God to us? Because we definitely need Holy Spirit to open our minds to understand the scriptures, don't we? We need Holy Spirit to illuminate the Word to us and our place in it. We need to learn to submit our minds to God. Right. That's very key. So, in our minds, so that our analytical abilities, our reading, our meditation abilities, are subject and exercised under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Second, we be open to the witness of the Spirit. That even as we read and reflect and examine the text, there is a witness of the Spirit within us and we need to be open to that so we submit our minds and we learn to open our hearts up to the witness of the Spirit and thirdly it's important to also recognize our personal experience of faith as part of the way that we interpret uh, the scripture that we read and how we understand and how we live it out right how we apply the truth that we read but ultimately what I am calling you and I to this morning uh, preaching to myself and Hugh is God, give us an appetite for your word like never before. Now, wouldn't you want that? an appetite for scripture like never before. Or perhaps you're already there, that's great for you. Or we pray for more of that appetite. The Bible is designed for a lifetime of reading, reflecting, repenting, registering, and refining in our lives. Honestly, you are not meant to, uh, you know, be able to read it and get it right away like, oh, you know, I understand, I know exactly what it's saying. That's the genius of the Bible. Uh, This thought came to me a few days ago when I went to a nursery, a plant nursery with a friend. Uh, And I had been there before and uh, but you know it hit me as i walked through the nursery again and i can remember because the the last time i went was just not too long ago and i went again this last few days ago and i saw everything and i felt like it was new and i saw like new flowers here and a new pot of plant there and stuff like that and it struck me how you know it's like the garden the the nursery is living you know these are plants that are alive and they're, they're active and they interact with their surroundings, the weather, you know, and, and, and other plants. And every time I walk in that nursery, I bet I would discover something that I had not discovered before. And isn't that more true of the Bible, which is so rich and so full uh, of God's wisdom, is that every time, even if it's the same scripture for years, perhaps you've read, God would cause a newness of life to even be Uh, uh, there for you and and strike you and impress upon your heart a truth for that season right and it's like reading or like seeing it afresh again seeing it with fresh eyes and you know with fresh rhema and just receiving a fresh revelation or insight for right where you are, or for the person you're praying for. And that is how the Bible is designed for a lifetime of just cultivating a devotion for Jesus, and the diligence in Scripture, the reading of the Word and the study of it, so that our lives of culture as a people of the kingdom, of Spirit and of Word, be distinctively different, right, for the sake of God. And so I want to call you even now uh, uh, to wherever you are seated or, you know, uh, lying down or whatever. It's just to begin to respond from your heart and just begin to tell God uh, your desire. Uh, if it is your desire to say, yes, God, I want, uh, you know, an appetite for your word. That is like never before. And even in this time, uh, we're going to come together and begin to pray just for God to give that appetite and help us to just truly uh, desire to know his story in all of scripture. And so I just want to encourage you and and call to you as church, uh, wherever you're seated right now listening to this, um, let's um, begin to just spend this next moment, a brief moment, just to respond to what you've heard today. Uh, uh, Not just so much from my mouth but uh holy spirit just whatever he's stirring your heart as you heard this message um to just say yes you know that's 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 i want to know the scripture more i want to have a greater appetite for the word of god and i want to really just uh, um, devote uh, more time to reading and letting the scriptures shape my life uh, through the spirit of god and so i'm going to lead us just to close in prayer for a moment i want to encourage you in whatever ways that you have been engaging with scripture whether it's you know using abs or uh, perhaps you've got like um, readings or devotional plans that you're using, or books that are helping you understand scripture. Great, uh, I say, like keep that up and continuing just to go deeper with God and you know ask questions and, and dwell and, and meditate on those verses. And as you do that, perhaps there are other ways. Um, that during uh, Circuit Breaker or even now you feel like uh, certain things that you've been doing in terms of reading the scripture have become a bit dry like uh, look around for like fresh ways to engage with scripture and there are lots of not just apps but like sort of like physical hard copy books that help you to engage to journal to reflect and meditate on scripture as well and also just in our groups our life groups different ways of engaging with scripture and worship and in prayer and sharing that's really life giving I want to encourage you to Talk about that more and do that more as rhythm in your life personally and as community in your life group. And part of that is also just really participating in the stuff that we're doing in this biblical literacy campaign. But all that to say, as that may we as a church grow in our devotion for Jesus through our love for just devouring the scriptures and and just really uh, feasting on all that He's teaching us and He's leading us into so that we know, you know, where God is leading and His will and His intent and His purpose for us as His people in this time, at this hour, for this generation. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks uh, uh, once again, just that, you know, for your word, your revealed, uh, uh, you know, the way you've disclosed yourself and you told us about yourself, your story in Scripture. We thank you for how you are the one who longs to Reveal yourself to us. You are the one who pursues us. You are the one who, uh, you know Expresses your heart to your people and you're the one who so willingly says yes, I will Make a covenant with my people whom I have chosen and God this morning. We just uh, stand in awe of you know your word and how you have uh, called us through your word and how you're continually shaping us as your people. Father, we pray for life uh, even as we search out scriptures more, even as we say yes uh, to a greater appetite and just, you know, uh, devotion to the word. May it lead us uh, to greater life and revive us according to your word so that we would lean in even more not just individually in our own lives, but as a community to, to look to Jesus, to, to you know, our devotion to Jesus from a heart that you would Feel it that your you know your story would feel this devotion uh, of Jesus our ultimate you know our all our saviour our messiah the prophet that is to come and restore all things and we ask for even a diligence in scripture you know the study and the meditation of your word and God that you would uh, lead us to you know uh, 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 know and encounter truth and you and in relationship with you and intimacy with you even as we go through these pages that there's just no dry but there is just such inspiration from your spirit father God even as we faithfully study and lean into it and father we pray that you would continue to form and shape us uh, 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 as a distinctive community of a kingdom culture because of all that you've promised is to come the future hope and the restoration of all things. And we pray uh, that as a community, as the city, and the season uh, where we're dedicating this time uh, just to be, you know, growing in our biblical literacy, we pray, uh, you know, for inspiration. We pray for a creativity uh, of engaging with scripture. We pray for faithfulness within us uh, as a church to grow and be rooted in scripture. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.